الحمد لله وكفى سلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الذين جاهدوا فينا لنهدي أنهم سبولنا سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون سلام على المرسلين الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم Over the last 8-9 days we've been exemplifying the characteristics and qualities of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and while he exemplified many good qualities, one quality that particularly stands out about the Prophet ﷺ was his quality of service. The quality of service. The Prophet ﷺ, if you really analyze his life and you begin to define in just a few words what his life was about. It was that the Prophet ﷺ sought every opportunity to serve. In fact, his life was service. Whether that service be his time that he spent advising the companions that would come to him, whether it be in assisting and carrying a load, whether that service be spending time guiding others, <clears throat> be visiting the sick, <clears throat> whether it be spending time listening to the problems of others, whether it be teaching the Qur'an, be it its recitation or its meaning, be it his serving of his family and within the home. If you really analyze his life, his whole life was about other people. His whole life was to serve other people. Or said otherwise, his time was for others. He himself was public property. The Prophet ﷺ was public property. He made himself available for the service of others. Whether it be that they approached him in need of help, in need of guidance, in need of assistance, or he himself seeking out opportunities to serve other people, service dominated his life. He became essentially public property. If someone needed something, he was there for them. If someone needed time, he would give it to them. If someone wanted to learn how to turn back to Allah Ta'ala, he would assist them in that way. If someone wanted to learn the Qur'an, he taught them the Qur'an. If someone needed help you know, carrying a load, he helped them carry a load. If in his home, help was needed, the Prophet ﷺ was full-time in service. It's said about the Prophet ﷺ that when he was in his house, he was constantly busy, just busy doing work, whether it be the dishes, whether it be cleaning up, just constantly serving and serving and serving and serving. This, was, this defined his life. And this should define our life as well. 
Now, we don't have the status of the Prophet ﷺ, and perhaps we weren't given the same responsibility that the Prophet ﷺ was given to creation. But if we bring this quality of service into our life, then uh, we'll begin to note a tremendous change in our life. There's many benefits of service. There's many benefits of service. One benefit is that when a person begins to serve others, then they, be, they become protected from the calamities and the challenges and the difficulties of this world. When a person begins to serve others, then they become protected from the calamities, the challenges, the difficulties of this world. How? Because what a person's doing, just like the Prophet ﷺ had done, is they are, they are taking the responsibility of other people on their shoulders. They are taking the responsibility of other people on their shoulders. And when a person takes responsibility of other people on their shoulders, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes full responsibility for them. When a person takes responsibility of other people on their shoulders, be it through guidance, through counsel, through physical service, through, you know, uh, through, through, uh, through a smile, through a kind word, whatever it might be, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes responsibility for that person. You can think about it in this way. In the Qur'an, Allah Ta'ala says, لَا يُكَلِّفُ اللَّهُ نَفْسًا إِلَّا وُسْعَهَا That a person will never be burdened more than they can handle. A person will never be burdened more than they can handle. So an individual has the option. They can either wait for that burden to come down upon them. That difficulty or that responsibility, let's say, to come down upon them. And that could be in the form of difficulty. It could be that a person, you know, could then, uh, their child could become sick or ill. Their parent could become sick or ill. And now all of their time and effort is then placed upon that responsibility, that difficulty that they're not challenged with. Or a person looks at life and says that I'm the servant of Allah Ta'ala. I constantly see that the Prophet ﷺ, or I see that the Prophet ﷺ was in constant service of Allah Ta'ala's creation. Let me take that responsibility and that burden upon my shoulders because when I put that weight on my shoulders, there's no room for any other difficulty to then fall upon me. There's no room, there's no possibility of any other burden. There's no room for more weight. Because Allah Ta'ala says, La yukallifullahu nafsan illa wus'aha. That only a certain degree of burden can be carried by any particular person. Now they can either wait for that burden to be difficulty or calamity to come upon them. It's raining down calamities. Everywhere you look there's difficulties and calamities. A person can wait for one of those to hit them. And then that then becomes the responsibility and the burden that they have to focus on. Or they say, before that even comes to me, I'm going to take the responsibility of the Ummah of the Prophet on my shoulders. Or I'm going to take the responsibility of the creation of Allah Ta'ala on my shoulders, help them, serve them, so that there's no more room for me to carry any weight. And a person protects themselves from difficulties in this way. A person protects themselves from difficulties in this way. Either we... The, the constant is that every human being has to carry burden and responsibility. That's the constant. It's not a variable. No one is spared from this. The only variable is if we is, is what that burden and responsibility is, or who puts that burden and responsibility on us. If we ourselves carry that load, the responsibility that the Prophet carried, if we ourselves bring that into our life and we make serving and helping other people our goal, then there will be no space and no room for the burden 
of difficulties and calamities to weigh us down on our shoulders. It's just not possible. There's, there's a finite weight that we can carry. And Allah Ta'ala will never allow us to carry more. Either we carry it ourselves or it's placed upon us in the form of some challenge. You know, a person, for instance, decides that they want to serve the masjid. I mean, you have the example here. You know, we are being served, you know, every morning and every evening. There are people who are sacrificing their time and effort and saying, you know what, I want to serve the creation of Allah Ta'ala. And they're here preparing food, serving food. And they're just constantly in the service of those people that are trying to focus on their worship. Imagine the attention of Allah Ta'ala that's falling upon them. And imagine what other... they're, They're burdening themselves. They're here, you know, 2 o'clock in the morning preparing food. They're here from 8 o'clock in the evening until 10 o'clock, just in the entire day. Who knows how much time they're spending in preparing food. They're taking care, or they've placed that responsibility and burden of serving other people on their shoulders. Allah Ta'ala will protect them from any difficulties or calamities that would then prevent them from doing this sort of service that they're providing for us. So the first benefit is that when a person serves, the way the Prophet ﷺ served, then they become protected from the difficulties and the challenges of this world. The second benefit is that when a person serves others, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's special attention and love falls upon that person. When a person serves others, Allah ta'ala's special love and attention falls upon that others. And it's such a special love that even through praying all night, or reciting Quran all day, or coming to the masjid five times a day, we wouldn't be able to attain, uh, we wouldn't be able to attain this form of love that Allah Taala has for those people that serve Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala's creation. And the proof of this is in a hadith, a statement of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, when he said so simply, "Al Khalqu Iyalullah," that creation, all of creation, is the uh, are the dependence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَأَحَبُّ الْخَلْقِ إِلَى اللَّهِ And the most beloved of creation to Allah ta'ala, the most beloved, the most beloved of creation to Allah, the creation that's attracting the most attention and love of Allah ta'ala. مَنْ أَحْسَنَ إِلَىٰ عِيَادِهِ Is the person who is the best toward the creation and dependence of Allah. The person who's the best toward Allah Ta'ala's creation, that person is the most beloved of all of creation to Allah. And there's no disclaimer put on here that that service or that excellence needs to be only toward a particular form of Allah Ta'ala's creation. That it should only be toward you know, people that come to the masjid. It should only be toward people that believe in Allah. It should only be toward human beings. It should only be toward, you know, living, living things. No. This, there's no disclaimer put on this statement. That the most beloved of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's dependence, or the most beloved of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's creation, out of every, anyone, is who? Is not the person that prays all night, not the person that that spends that recites the Quran all day. Although these are noble uh, endeavors that a person can undertake, it's not that person that 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 makes du'a, you know, eight hours of the day. It's not the person that sits in i'tikaf for ten days at the end of the month. These are all noble endeavors. But the most beloved 
Prophet has mentioned the most beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that person who is the best toward the creation of Allah ta'ala. And it is any creation of Allah ta'ala. Whether it be you know, human, whether it be Muslim, whether it be not Muslim, whether it be animal, whether it be inanimate, whether it be animate, no matter what the, no matter who the audience, who the recipient is of that service, if it's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's creation, then we've then attracted the attention of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The third benefit of a person engaging themselves in service toward other people is that others begin to make dua for you. Others begin to supplicate for you. And it's one thing to ask another person for their dua, and it's another thing to earn the dua, the supplication of another person. It's one thing to ask someone for dua, make dua for me, I'm in this situation, can you please make dua for me, I'm, I'm having trouble with this, can you please make dua for me, I lost my job, can you please make dua for me, you know, my parents are ill. It's another thing to earn the dua of other people. Meaning, for instance, that you are, you know, you leave the masjid and you see that someone's car is not starting. And you know that, look, it's going to take 20 minutes of my time, 30 minutes of my time to offer my jumper cables, you know, set up the car, jump it, you know, pack things up and then get on the road again. And I know I have other responsibilities, I know I have things to do. But look, I can take this opportunity, sacrifice my time, my effort in order to help this person whether it be someone in the masjid, whether it be someone on the road, and I can earn their dua. I have the opportunity to earn their dua. When a person makes dua from their heart because of something that's done for them, then there's no barrier between that dua and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So serving others becomes an opportunity to, to earn their dua. Oftentimes you don't even have to ask someone when you've served them to make dua for you they're naturally going to make dua for you. It's just going to come from the bottom of their heart. So the first benefit is that it protects us from the challenges of this world. The second benefit is that it attracts Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's special love and His special attention. And the third is that you begin to receive the dua of other people in a way that would otherwise not be possible. And with sincerity that would otherwise not be possible. Now when it comes to service, there's three principal recipients of our service. And I'll highlight this inshallah and then we'll wrap up. The first is service to our parents. Service to our parents. The primary recipients of our service, meaning the, the, the individuals who should be first and foremost on the list of people whom we should serve are our parents. They're our parents. When a person serves their parents, they become very close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They draw very near to Allah ta'ala. This is a very special uh, deed, that, or th this, is, these are, this is a very special endeavor that they're undertaking when they're serving their parents, that they become very close to Allah ta'ala. Why? Why is it that the parents are the ones that are making us, or allowing us to become so close to Allah ta'ala? It's because by serving our parents, it's indirectly expressing gratitude toward Allah Ta'ala. What do I mean? Look, before we were in existence, there was no possibility for us to come into this world. There was no possibility for us to come into this world. And when 
time came for us to enter into this world, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala provided us with two parents who came together and through that coming together, they brought us into this world. Meaning that the only possible way, the only way that you and I would be here right now is because of, the, because of our parents. Meaning the only way that we would be in existence is because, we were, because of our parents. And if it weren't for our parents, then there's no possibility that we would be able to earn the fruits of Jannah in the hereafter because we wouldn't even be in existence to be able to enjoy those fruits. So by serving our parents, we are expressing gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Ya Allah, I am so thankful that you gave me the blessing of parents because if I didn't have this blessing of parents, then there was no possibility of me coming into existence, of me even being created. I am so thankful to you and my gratitude to you is through serving my parents. So through this, a person becomes very close to Allah because now their service toward their parents is their gratitude to Allah Ta'ala for bringing them into existence. And a perfect example of this is a story at the time of the Prophet Actually, the time after the Prophet the Prophet ﷺ once got Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu and Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu and he got them before him and he told them, Umar, listen, and Ali, you as well, listen to me. Listen to who he's speaking with. He said, listen, he said, there will come a person during your time, the Khilafah of Umar, there'll become a person during your time. The Prophet is foreshadowing this, he's telling them, there'll come a person during your time that when you meet that person, find that person, meet that person, when you meet that person, ask that person to make the offer you. Ask that person to make the offer you. So the Sahaba, these two Sahaba, the, the, uh, Ali radha and Umar radha and they become so shocked, they say, you know, you're asking us to, uh, to go approach a person who after your time will be in existence in this world and to make dua for them, Ya Rasulullah, we are the uh, we are your companions. We are the ones, you know, and they're not saying this per se, but we are your companions. And the companions are those whom Allah Ta'ala is pleased with. And yet the companions are being told to approach a tabi'i who isn't a companion, who doesn't have the maqam of the companions, who doesn't even compare to the companions in their, uh, in their, uh, in the honor and attention they've received from Allah. You're asking us to go to a tabi'i and ask a tabi'i for his dua. How? The Prophet ﷺ will say that this person, his name is Uwais, will have spent so much time serving his mother that when he raises his hands for dua, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always fills it with whatever he asks for. The Prophet ﷺ is telling whom? Umar radiallahu anhu. Whom, about whom he said, That if there were a prophet to come after me, it would have been Umar. And he's saying this to who? His cousin, his son-in-law, Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu ta'ala, who essentially grew up in the home of the Prophet And he's telling them that there's going to be a person that comes after me who won't even meet the qualifications to be considered a Sahabi. He's telling them, go to this person by the name of Uwais and ask him to make dua for you because when he raises his hands, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fills it with whatever he asks for. Why? Because he spent his life in service of his mother. Prophet tells them that look for him. His name will be Uwais. He will come from the area of Yemen. And he will be from the Qabila of Murad. 
and he will be from the tribe of Qarn. Look for him and seek his dua. So what happened was that during the time of Umar's Khilafah, he would perform Hajj every single year. And he would get together the people at, at Hajj, and he would get them all together, and he had everyone would stand up. And he'd say, okay, everyone sit down now. Anyone from the country or the area of Yemen, stand up. So anybody, everyone from Yemen would then stand up. So Umar anhu said, Okay, everyone uh, from the uh, country of Yemen sit down. The people from Murad, who are from the, 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 the Qabila of Murad, stay standing. Stay standing. And he said, okay, everyone from the Qabila of Murad, sit down. Anyone from the, the family or the tribe of, of Qarn, stay up. And one person remained standing. One person remained standing. So he thought, this, is, this must be that person. So he asked, he's like, are you, are you always? And the person said, no, I'm not always. But I know always, he's my nephew. Uh, he's my nephew, he's my brother's son, he's my nephew. And then uh, he said, oh, you know, where is he? I need to meet him. So he said, uh, you know, he's actually not here right now. He's grazing the camel uh, by Arafah. But, you know, I, I'd say that he's actually a, a very strange and odd person. He's just, you know, I don't want to use the word crazy, but he's a strange person. And Umar radiallahu anhu said, you're strange. Take me and tell, tell me where he is. So he said, he's by Arafah. So Umar radiallahu anhu and Ali radiallahu anhu, this is the time of Hajj, they both left. And they went quickly as possible to Arafah. And they looked around and they found that there was a person who was sitting underneath a tree, or who was standing next to a tree, and he was praying Nafil Salah. And there was a camel, it's camel that was, was just going around him, circling around him. So they knew this must have been that person. So they approached, they waited. They waited until he had finished his Salah. And he said his salam, and they came up to this person, and they um, asked that person, who are you? And he said, I'm a, I'm a worker. I'm a worker. He said, okay, okay, we get it. What's your name? He said, I'm a servant of Allah. I'm a servant of Allah. Look, they are specifically looking for someone whom the Prophet ﷺ is making mention of, and this person is responding with, uh, with these vague responses. I'm a servant of Allah. And he says, no, 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 what's the name that you were given by your mother? So then he responds and he says, who are you? Who are you guys? Who do you think, what do you, why are you asking me? Who are you? So Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu is with Umar, looks at him and he says, this is the Amir al-Mu'mineen, Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu. And I am Ali ibn Abi Talib. Immediately wastes. Shake it, he gets shaken up. I'm so sorry. I didn't know. He would not be able to come to the Haramain because he had spent so much time in serving his mother that he didn't even know who these two people were. He apologizes. I'm really sorry. I'm, I'm really sorry. What is it that you need? I, I didn't know. I just didn't know. My name is a waste. So then they said, raise your hands and make the offer. Raise your hands and make du'a for us. He's like, me? Why would I make du'a for you? How? You are Amir al-Mu'mineen. You saw the Prophet ﷺ. You were there in his most difficult times. You had made hijrah uh, to Madinah al-Munawwara. You sacrificed your entire life for this scene. And now you've been honored with the responsibility of being the leader of this ummah. And you're asking me to make du'a for you? You're asking me to make du'a for you? And he says, look, 
the Prophet Wasallam's hukum was that I should look for you, we should find you, and we should seek your dua. You have no option, you have to now make dua for us. And so was Why did he receive this honor by the Prophet Why were two close companions who are guaranteed Jannah by the Prophet commanded to seek out this person and get his dua? Was it because of you know, hours of tahajjud that he prayed at night? Was it, you know, the, uh, was it the, the continuous recitation of his Qur'an? It was the service that he did toward his mother. The Prophet ﷺ said about Uwais al-Qarni, that on the Day of Judgment, all of the people that are supposed to go toward Jannah will be called toward Jannah. And Uwais al-Qarni will be one of those people and he'll be, I mean, he's, a, he's someone from Jannah or someone who's destined for Jannah and he'll be walking with that group and Allah Ta'ala will tell him, stop, stop, wait here. You wait here. Everyone else go, you wait here. And he begins to panic. Me? You know, I want to go with them. Don't stop me because whoever's left behind, they're all people that are back there. They're going toward Jahannam. Don't stop me. I want to go with this group. And Allah Ta'ala says, just wait. He says, me? Yes, just wait. You wait here. All the people of Jannah go into Jannah. So the people will go toward Jannah. And Awais al-Qarni will be, he'll be, he'll be, he'll be uh, trembling. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say, okay, they've now gone to Jannah. Now you point, whomever you point toward, anyone that you point toward, that person will be given your shafa'ah and those people will also enter into <coughs> Jannah. Point. That's how special this person was to Allah Ta'ala. That's how much love of Allah Ta'ala he attracted. That's how much attention of Allah he attracted. What did he do that was so special? It was his service. And whom was his service toward? It was his mother. Service was toward his mother. In a hadith, the Prophet said, Rida Rabbi fi Rida walidi We've been talking for the last few days about what it means to earn the pleasure of Allah and what it means to be pleased with Allah, Rida. We've been talking about this. What it means to earn the pleasure of Allah and what it means to be pleased with Allah. And the Prophet says, Rida Rabbi fi Rida walidi That the pleasure of your Lord, the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala fi Rida walidi lies in the pleasure of your father. Meaning if your father is pleased with you, then your Lord is pleased with you. If your father is pleased with you, then your Lord is pleased with you. Rabbi, And the anger and the wrath of your Lord is with the anger and the wrath of your father. If your father is upset with you, or is disturbed by you, if you've brought any pain to your father, if he's angry with you, then you've attracted the anger of Allah Ta'ala as well. So service to our parents comes first and foremost. Both our mother and our father. Both our mother and our father, and through this service, we attract Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's special love and his special attention. Then comes service to our families. And I had mentioned before the, uh, that about the Prophet ﷺ, that he was constantly busy when he was at home. It wasn't that he would come home and he'd say, you need, I need a three-hour break, I've just been working all day, I've just been serving the entire community, I've just been visiting the sick, I've just been involved in this and that and this and that, I need a break, I need to lie down for an hour. No, the Prophet was constantly busy when he was in his home, serving his family, taking care of things in the home. And this should be a quality that we try to bring into our own life as well. You know, we 
often think of the responsibilities that we have at home as distractions that are preventing us from advancing in our deen and preventing us from advancing in our relationship with Allah. But we should think about it and we should see it as a mechanism for us to become closer to Allah rather than a barrier for us to become closer to Allah. Every time we, for instance, have to wash our dishes, we should think that I'm doing this because it's a responsibility, my family's responsibility that Allah has placed on my shoulders, and every dish that I wash, inshallah, I'll elevate one rank in Jannah. Every time we have, the, we have to clean up the house, for instance, we have to vacuum. Rather than thinking that this is the burden, why is it, the, why is it that I'm always the one that have this having to do this? Why can't it be my spouse? Why can't it be my kids? Why can't it be my parents? Why can't it be you know, whoever comes and visits? Why me? We should think that every time I'm cleaning up my house, I'm earning Allah Ta'ala's lila and I'm earning His pleasure. If we're cooking food, for instance, we should think that this is a blessing from Allah that He's given me this opportunity to serve my family. Perhaps I'll be in a very special place in Jannah because of this service that I'm providing. We think of, for instance, the time it takes to feed our children, which, you know, depending on the age of your children, it could take anywhere between five minutes and an hour. We think of this as a burden that's, that's preventing us from becoming closer to Allah. But if we think of this as a responsibility, that Ya Allah, these children that you have gifted me with, these are your creation. This is, this is, they're yours. This, this is yours and I am feeding them. I'm taking my time, I'm taking the time to nourish them. Ya Allah, I seek your love, I seek your protection. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward you for every minute that you feed your children. So we have to begin to think about these things, the, the responsibilities that we have to our families, the responsibilities that we have at home. We should now think about these as mechanisms by which we approach Allah Ta'ala rather than barriers that are preventing us from becoming close to Allah Ta'ala. Mechanisms that bring us closer to Allah and elevate our rank before Allah Ta'ala and elevate our rank in the hereafter rather than burden or, or a barrier that's preventing us from becoming close to Allah and earning our... Uh, earning our place in Jannah. The third and final is service to all of Allah Ta'ala's creation. All of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala's creation. Any opportunity we have to serve, we should seek it. If the opportunity is in the masjid, we should jump on it. If the opportunity is outside of the masjid, we should jump on it. If there's opportunity to do work of deen, we should, we should rush toward these opportunities. If there's opportunity to guide people toward Allah Ta'ala, that's a form of service as well. Then we should, we should hasten toward these opportunities. If it's opportunity to serve the Muslim community, we should serve the Muslim community. <clears throat> what happens when a person sacrifices their time and effort for other people is that they complete their iman. The Prophet ﷺ said, لا يؤمن أحدكم حتى يحب لأخيه ما يحب لنفسه That a person doesn't believe, meaning they haven't reached the pinnacle of belief. They haven't completed their belief until what? Until they love for their brother. Until they love for their brother. Meaning, until they love for other believers what they wish for themselves. What they love for themselves. So, this is a condition for completion of our iman. That we serve uh, fellow members of our community. And this extends outside members of our community as well. Service to any other human being is rewarded by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Irrespective of their background, their culture, their faith, it makes no difference. Everything is the dependent of Allah. Every single human being is Allah ta'ala's creation. They are His dependents. And we should go out of our way to serve people. 
whether it be our neighbors, whether it be our colleagues at work, whether it be peers at school, whether it be you know, someone who's, who's stuck on the road, we should go out of our way to serve the creation of Allah Ta'ala because then, when, then and only then we'll become the beloved of Allah. The Prophet ﷺ told us a story in a hadith that shows us that not only are human beings worthy of, uh, to be recipients of our service, but even the animals are worthy of being recipients of our service. The Prophet ﷺ tells a story to his companions about, and, and there's other narrations that narrate this as well, but that there was a, a man who was very thirsty. And it was in earlier times, before the time of the Prophet ﷺ. The Prophet saying, there was a man in the olden times who was very thirsty. And he found a well and he climbed down into that well. He, he drank to his full and he came out of that well. And when he came out of that well, he saw a dog who was there panting with thirst. Panting in thirst. And so that man felt, a, um, uh, felt bad for that dog. And so he took his, um, his leather socks, his leather shoe off, and he went back down into the well, filled that leather sock up, or that leather shoe up with water, came back out and he fed it to the dog. And as a result of this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgave him. Not only did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive him, as if that wouldn't be enough, but, he's, but his story is now centuries or millennia later recorded in the books of hadith and was uttered by the tongue of the Prophet That's how special this person became to Allah. That's how special this person became to the Prophet So the Sahaba, upon hearing the story, and there's another version of the story in which a prostitute woman who spent her life prostituting away, you know, we would think of that to be, you know, one of the, the worst things that a person can do she had spent her life in prostitution and, a, and she saw a dog, uh, she saw an animal that was panting in thirst and she fed that animal water and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgived her of all of her sins. So anyway, this man, uh, about this man, the companions then asked the Prophet that Ya Rasulullah, does service of Allah ta'ala's creation also apply to serving the animals of Allah? Even animals, are, do they deserve this? The Prophet ﷺ says, yes, even, he said, he said, fi kulli that, everything, everything deserves our service. Everything. Human being, not human being. I mean, we are, we should seek opportunities to serve all of Allah Ta'ala's creation. We should seek opportunities to serve all of Allah Ta'ala's creation. Beginning with our parents, and then our families. And then all and the rest of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's creation. Through it, we will earn the pleasure, the love, the attention of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that so many of us have been seeking for so long. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant you an ayah tawfiq to, to model the Prophet wasallam's life, in particular when it comes to his service toward the creation of Allah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us His love because of the efforts that we put in serving His creation. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala elevate our rank because elevate our rank in this world and in the hereafter through our service toward our parents, toward our families, toward the community, toward all of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's creation.